0: Create. Innovate. Collaborate.
1: A big welcome to Beyond Ideas, and on today's show we feature part two of our interview with Rob Quinn and Wei Jun, founders of Patch Medical. If you're a policymaker or an aspiring entrepreneur, there's some tremendous insights in the second part of this interview. So sit back and enjoy the ride as we continue the journey with Patch Medical. Guys, as we discussed on last week's show, you've made it into Y Combinator. Can you just take us through the process of getting into Y Combinator and the journey that led you on that path?
0: It was very different, um, actually, the application process for Y Combinator. Uh, I mean, it, was, it wasn't so much that you fill in an online form, you have an interview, but I mean, like, the style was very different. I think the form, you needed to be short, sharp, succinct. You know, like everything, just because like they, they get they get roughly ten thousand applications or like eight thousand applications or something. Like they just don't have time to read stuff. You know, like Moody gets a couple of hundred, which is great because uh, they're one of the top accelerators in Australia. They get a couple of hundred, but it's a states right. There's three hundred and fifty million people, and it's one of the best in the world. Like the eight thousand applications. It was just like our advice from like people we spoke to was get it short, sharp, to the point.
2: That was really great for us developing our business. Um, and then yeah, I, I guess I guess what was interesting is that. Um Y Combinator as an incubator um, has a different a different strategy to Muru D. So Muru D is about working closely with a few, you know, a few a few founders, you know, ten founders and spending a lot of time with them and really coaching them through it. YC, they um their approach is to is to create a huge network of companies that are all helping each other. So they they take in like a hundred companies each cohort. And, but they, their, their application process is like bang, bang, bang. Our interviews were 10 minutes. That was it. We, you know, we had a 10 minute interview, an online application, and then they flew us out to, uh, the heart of Silicon Valley, um, for another 10 minute interview. Wow. It was crazy though. They
0: were like, oh guys, like, we think you've got some potential. We want to fly you out here. Like, interview states start next week.
1: And it's like, (sighs) Like, so you flew all the way to, Palo Alto. Assume it's Palo Alto. Mountain right? View. Mountain View yeah. for a ten-minute interview.
0: Yeah, we ended up
1: having two, but two so twenty-minute interviews <laughs> in total. Yeah,
0: most <laughs> people only get ten, even if they fly them out. But ten. Well, you guys yeah. clearly <laughs> had something important <laughs> to say. So
1: apparently, uh, I mean uh, that must have been an intimidating experience being able to uh, you know effectively communicate your value proposition and what you believe you've got in in ten minutes. I mean that
2: that must have been difficult. Absolutely, certainly, like the the, the pressure to cut out anything that is, you know, extraneous and to make your message just super clear. Um, you know, that's, that's something we've always been working on. And I think every, every founder is going to find that it's, it's the, the shorter and sharper your messages, the more people are going to listen and get what you're doing. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very hard thing to do as a founder because you see everything about your company, you know, every little detail (laughs) You know, you know, everything about customer, you know, statistics about the market, you know, all about the technology and you want to, you want to talk about it because that's what you're thinking. And you're like, you know, you, the, 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 you know, the 60 second sound bite that I tell you doesn't encapsulate like everything that I've worked for and everything that we've, you know, tried to do. Um, but it's, it's the most important part of that. Yeah. And for us, that was a really, really good exercise for that. Important lesson. And I think like, Being able to communicate
0: your message in 60 seconds, you've got to realize that the purpose of the 60 seconds isn't to tell someone about your startup. Um, In the case of the 10-minute interviews, it's a similar sort of thing. The purpose of those 10-minute interviews wasn't to tell them about our startup. Um, In the case of a 60-second pitch, the purpose is to get them to want to know more, Um, and that's critical. We we won the St. George Kickstart 60-second pitch competition, Um, but the only reason... we, We didn't really tell people about what we did We just got them emotionally invested enough to be like, hey, we want to learn more and give them some money. Yeah, I think that's really important, Rob. I mean, you know, there's a saying
1: that people will never remember what you say. They'll remember how you make them feel. Yeah. And and that's the key to conveying your message is, is leaving people feeling
0: something. Absolutely. And that, that, that's the thing with the Y Combinator interview. We realized, and this is something that, thankfully being in Murudy sort of like, we saw the light by being in Murudy to know this. But like, the Y Combinator interview was never about them knowing about our startup or thinking our idea was great. It was about convincing them that we are the guys to do it and that we have an idea that's potentially plausible and like that was our sole goal for that interview and i think mm-hmm. like we we practiced like we were practicing before the like we, we had to take a break half an hour before the interview but we went across the road and wayne and i were practicing and like we were role playing and that is so important because like i would pretend to be the interviewer and then i'd be like well would i would i take you as a startup like <laughs> would i like and then Wayne do the same thing for me um and it was tough and it was hard to hear but it got us mm. there so, so, I
1: mean, fantastic, and and look, I mean, it's going to be an incredible journey over there with with YC and the people you meet and and where it goes. I, I believe it sort of culminates for you guys with a demo day sometime in March, which then hopefully will lead to a significant
0: uh, seed investment in 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 Patch. Is, is that correct? Yeah, that's the goal: monstrous seed raise at the end of end of YC and build the company that changes lots of lives. Mm. So, so just changing gears a little, uh, you know, I want to spend some time talking about your
1: own journeys from engineers to business people because, I mean, that that has its challenges and Mm -hmm. difficulties as well. And I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, engineers and scientists at uni who are thinking, I've got all these ideas, but, you know, I know nothing about business. You know, uh, what did you learn along the way and and what skills, you know, were easily translatable from a science and engineering background into this business world and, and which ones were just so completely foreign?
2: Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a really good question, Brad. Um, I think uh, some of this is going to sound a bit cliched, but like you know, when you go through science and engineering, you you actually learn how to look at a problem, break it down into little parts, and solve little bits of that problem, and that is hundred percent true. So, <laughs> so I think I think yeah. at its core, um, having that is is the most valuable thing you can have. Um, but there's so much more around that, obviously. Um, I think there's, there's a level of personal development that you go through, like when you're starting a business, um, because like, I think for most people, it's not, it's, it's not the most natural thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you are putting something on the line. Uh, you're putting yourself on the line in, 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 a sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's quite scary for a lot of people. And it was for me as well. Um, and Sorry, to yeah, that point, ahead. I think I think you get feedback, um, and
0: that really hurts for a, a lot of people, right? Like you, you really, you really put your, like, sorry for the cliche, you put your balls on the line, right? Like you, you develop a product, you, you know, you, you put it out there, and that's why, like, I think people have so much problems testing with customers as well, and just putting it in front of a customer because they're afraid of what they'll hear back. Um, honestly, I think my transition from engineer to businessman, um, plugging into Waste Point, was just to start. I think Way's, like, what Way said's absolutely, like, that's bang on. Um, for me at least, um, just because of my personality, just starting, like, that's what made it happen. Like, all those trans transformations Way's talking about happened once we just started so it's really taking
1: those first steps and going you know we don't know where this is going to go we don't know whether we can do it
0: we don't know whether we can pull it off but let's just take those steps but even 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 like simpler than that if you look at like when we tested on our first customers the first thing all we did like when i say take a step the thing that like caused this whole thing to happen and the only reason we are where we are today is like when mick said like go try it on some customers the, the The first step for us, we just sent an email out to all our friends at, at, at all the other companies at Merooddin and said, "Hey, we want to test our device. Is anyone in that was That was the only kind of step we needed to take you know for, for, for the for the Meru-D thing. The only step we needed to take to before we built up enough momentum to get in was we just put in the application you know or logged on to do the application, and once we started doing that that's when the whole transformation started that's when we started turning from engineers to business people because we no longer saw ourselves as entrepreneur as, as entrepreneurs as engineers we saw ourselves as entrepreneurs
1: yeah right that's cool so so it was really you know just that shift in mindset yeah. of removing yourselves out of the way
0: and just embracing the journey
2: yeah at least that's how
0: i feel about it i don't
2: yeah no 100 percent um it's i i guess i guess it's It's often our own selves that get in the way for that. (laughs) Um, and, and I echo Rob's, um, words 100%. It's just start and do something. It doesn't matter how small it is. In fact, the smaller it is, the better, Mm. but it's just got to be one step in that goal. And then, um, you know, the, the, the harder and more uncomfortable it makes you feel <laughs> sometimes the, the better it is.
1: Yeah, I think that's really, really valuable mm-hmm. advice for any, any you know, young person sitting at university or, or in their corporate job right now who have an idea and are just going, where do I start, you know, yeah. take a step.
0: Yeah, and, like, and the, like the last person that said that to me, they're like, I've got this idea, where do I start? And I was like, have you sent an email to somebody asking if they want to try it? And then all of a sudden he had momentum and he was like, This is so cool. Like I'm like it's like, Yep, that's all it takes.
2: Um, this he this guy is a machine. (laughs) So he would wake up at four AM in the morning, drive Uber, drive all these executives to the airport, he'd rock up to work at nine, work through till about five, and then go drive Uber again until like eight o'clock at night. He was working something like eighteen hour days just to just to, you know, keep things afloat. So um, just so you guys know how committed this guy is. Uh, <laughs> with a bung liver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no excuses, no for excuses for anyone there. out there yeah. listening. <laughs> I'll take it.
0: But I, I think to that point, someone said when we first started um, that, look, you can't be in this for the money at all. Like you have to be in this for a larger purpose. And I think that's the reason that was, looking back now, I'm like, I'm surprised it didn't collapse at any point, um, to be honest with you. But and Way was a massive support for that because Way would just be so supportive and be like, "That's okay, man. You go. You you know, you drive. You that's what you need to do to stay alive." And I remember, uh, like, someone said to me, "Like, don't do it for the money. Do it because there's a larger purpose." And after having to drive sixty hours a week on top of the forty at work, I actually got that statement because there's no way if I was doing this for the money, I would be like, you know, <laughs> driving executives to the airport at eight, like six o'clock in the morning um, while trying to do this when I could just go and get an engineering job.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a really valuable lesson, I mean, besides the fact how how dedicated you need to be to get, you know, an idea as ambitious as this off the ground. I think the the other real thing that I, I picked up on that you mentioned there was, you know, when you do invite people into your business, make sure it is on a vesting basis, because yeah. if you just hand someone equity, they don't have to work for it anymore, and and it's not so much uh, anything to do with their personality. It's just human nature that yeah. if we don't have to work, we won't. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the way it goes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, cool. So, so guys, um, you're playing in a very conservative industry, um, you know, being the medical industry, You know, I think it's improved a lot over the last few years, but it's certainly an industry that's steeped in elitism. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you guys are young, young guys, you know, 27, 28.
2: Yeah, so I'm 26.
1: 27. Yeah, so you're stepping into this, you know, very established, very Mm -hmm. conservative industry with this completely out there idea in their terms. Um,
0: You know, what's it been like? Oh, that is like, that's a, that's, I love that question because. It's t- really tough. Like this is steeped in tra- this pla- Like med med medtech, in- traditionally has been steeped in tradition. It's slow to adopt because you, you, like people don't want to take any risks, which is understandable with their health. Uh, and that's as an entrepreneur is just really challenging. Um, I- like, I, I was lucky, and I think the reason that we've had a bit of luck in this space and being able to just break the mold a bit, and I think people have to be willing to break the mold a bit. Don't break the law, obviously, right? You know, like you still going to go through the FDA, you still got to go through the TGA, you still going to be regulated. But I think having been in a hospital and seeing, like, basically what I could and couldn't do and, like, where the edges were, like, that made this whole thing a lot easier. Because it's so steep in tradition, but... There are people there, and if you can get in contact with them, like I think the person we're trying to do the pilot with, like he's one of the most innovative thinkers around in the medtech space, and you know he just loved the idea. And finding, seeking out those people who can drive change to everyone else who's a bit slower to adopt, I think that's that was the key for us.
2: Yeah, um, <sighs> there's, I guess, I guess in the medical industry. You're right, in, in particular, is always. Um, is, I guess, I guess we, we conjures up images of like, you know, 50 year old professors and like <laughs> white coats saying, oh, yeah. you know, this is how you need to treat your patient and, and, and combating some of that. Um, you know, for us, I think we, we try and come at, come at it from an angle of just pure enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, and, and people, people enjoy that. Like they're always hesitant, mm. but you know, we, you know, we we, we 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 know we know all the pieces of the puzzle. Like we know the technology. You know, we're working with mm. we're working with physicians who know who understand the, the, the medical side of things. And it's you know, as, as us alone, we can't do it alone. But if we can if we can draw on people within industry, um, and show them mm. that um, you know, it doesn't have to be done in the same same old ways. Um, I think. That, that That's how we're approaching it. I guess it's, yeah.
0: As I was about to say, to, the, to that point, the, the one thing I think if, you, if you're listening to this and you're looking at MedTech or you're actually looking at any industry, just remember that the people you're talking to are human. Uh, and that sounds crazy, but that every human has deep emotions and if you can connect with that, then they want to help you. Um, and so I think that's what, I, at least, I found when we're trying to deal with the tradi- traditional. If we could connect with them emotionally, if we could bring some enthusiasm and believe. We've got to believe ourselves that we can change it. We believe that what we're doing can radically change the way that patients are managed around the world. And when you transmit that to some to someone else who's human, which we all are, you know what I mean? They get it, and then they're willing to help. And you can start breaking down those barriers. Um, There's still a big journey ahead of us, but I think that for us is key.
1: So, it's a fairly rigid process, you know to to get anything commercialised within you know not just the Australian medical sector but but also the US sector. Yeah. Um, the Australian sector is it easier than the US sector? Do you have a view on on oh, on which which country it's easier to to get a med tech product to market?
0: Yeah, I look, I'm going to throw it out there that I think research is very well done in Australia. I actually think it comes back a little bit to because I've got the advantage of living in the US for a bit. Um, I studied over there for a while um, and just cultural attitudes are a bit different. And so in Australia, it's a very laid-back sort of culture, which is great, like great lifestyle. In America, it's a very like, go, 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 like let's change the world, let's make a difference, let's do this, let's work stupid hours. And so in Australia, we tend to get a lot of like almost almost a why are you working so hard question every now and then just from people around us and that like it's like because we want to change the world and it's like yeah but like we're not enjoying your life and it's like that like this for me is enjoying my life like this is so important to me so in terms of commercializing the attitude towards innovation is a lot different here i think we're a bit a bit slower to adopt which is just I mean, that's part of the nature of also being a million miles from everywhere else in the world, right? Like I don't think it's
2: a I think it's just a product of our location and just our, our cultural attitudes. Um Yeah. I mean as far as specific med tech stuff goes, um both, you know, Australia's got the TGA as the as the governing body and the US FDA. Um the FDA has actually been surprisingly pretty progressive about um a lot of stuff in digital health. <laughs> mm-hmm. They've established a lot of guidelines around wellness devices. Um You know, Apple and Samsung pushed hard to get that stuff through. And, um, I guess, I guess they're sort of, they're, they're, they're similar in their approach and that they balance risk versus reward. And that, and that's how the governing bodies look at, look at that. Mm. Um, they, you know, so I get, I guess to give you, uh, listeners a, a picture of the sort of challenges that we face getting a med tech, you know, getting med tech and medical data. Uh, business off the ground is that you've got to, you've got to manage patient privacy, privacy laws in the US. Um, there's something called HIPAA compliance, which is, um, making sure that basically the way you handle patient data is really secure. Um, and they, they actually have like audits. So they'll come into your company and if, if you're not, you know, if you're not using the right technical safeguards, you know, like encryption, um, and you don't have the access controls and training for people, that's, that's a really big thing. So, um, when you asked about what's the difference, I think from a, from a regulation perspective, they are fairly similar, although the U S is pretty progressive from, um, a side of capital and like mm. innovation culture. Mm-hmm. The U.S. is just miles, miles, miles ahead.
0: ahead. And actually, to that point, and I think this is how Australia, like, if any MPs happen to listen to this, who can make a difference to this, or anyone who's in the regulatory space, they can make a difference to this. One of the, the reason we're leaving Australia, uh, that's, that, that sounds horrible. It's not quite what I mean by that. The reason, like, we're getting out of the country to, to move to the U.S. to, to launch this is that pushing through the TGA is great. But then you access, it's just as hard as the FDA, realistically, and then you access a market of 20 million people. You know, you go to the US, you go through the FDA, it's, it's a similar amount of difficulty and you access 350 million people. You know, if, if we could have in Australia, and I gotta hope someone from like the regulatory, like body listens to this and sees it, sees, sees what we're trying to say here. If you could have in Australia some way that if it is regulated by the FDA, that you can get an exemption to use the device in some sort of paid trials in Australia and like it can be used into some, in some capacity in Australia as long as you're like an entrepreneur. Like I think that would make a monstrous difference, and honestly, would probably be the reason we would have stayed here stayed here a bit longer. Um, we just don't have access to that. Like it's like we can slog out and spend millions of dollars getting it through the TGA and then what? you know like
2: Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, the TGA is um, quite closely aligned with some of the <laughs> European certifications. Um, however, I think I think for anyone looking to go global, like the us is yeah. is such a monstrous market. 350 million people, 25% of the world's GDP,
0: they all speak. English, which is that sounds small, but it's huge when you've got to try and get stuff across borders. The same regulatory body, the same like, and in a, a huge problem with healthcare. Like they they spend, oh, I forget what how much of their GDP on healthcare. It's massive though. It's like it's like I don't remember. I the, don't number. remember the figure, but it's gigantic. Like I, and like you, even just health insurance for us. Like when we go to the US, is you know you're looking somewhere up around the between for someone who's had a transplant somewhere between five and twelve thousand US dollars, not including the excesses I have to pay if I go into. Hospital. That's monstrous, you know. They need solutions that drop the cost. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, I mean I think you point to something really important is is,
1: you know, with our regulatory frameworks being just as rigorous and just as time consuming, it makes mm-hmm. so much more sense if you're gonna invest that time, invest it in a market mm-hmm. that is infinitely of more value than than this, you know a small
0: market like Australia yeah time and money i mean like it's it's like every every time you have to spend like a million bucks to go through regulatory you need more more money to do it and you dilute even more and you lose more control and and like you need, the US is, like, so good because, like, you only have to do it once, right? And then you can, like, bring in some cash flow and, like, make some money and, like, then rely less on investment. So,
1: so this is something I want to explore a little bit with you guys. I mean, you know, naturally you're going to Y Combinator. I assume you've had to flip the company up in order to take up that offer. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that generally denotes a number of things for entrepreneurs and i know a lot of entrepreneurs have done it and and generally what it means uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs is they effectively have to take the ip that they've developed and place it in that new company Mm -hmm. in the united states or in another country overseas so effectively Mm -hmm. all the good ideas that we're incubating here are disappearing right (laughs) um is there another way i mean have you guys had to do that or is there another way that you can address that as an entrepreneur
2: yeah i i guess i guess um So I'll give, give a sort of an overview of that. Um, the reason, the reason why we need to flip up and, you know, international companies have to do that sort of thing is because U.S. investors don't feel comfortable about necessarily investing in, um, other jurisdictions. They don't understand the law, the tax implications. It's a lot harder for them. Um, this, you know, given that Silicon Valley is where pretty, or not just Silicon Valley, but in the US in general is where the large, a very large portion of the world's capital, you know, venture capital is, is based. Um, they want to know that you're a US company. So what you have to do is create a US company, but then um, make sure that all the IP you've created is in some way owned by that US company, or at the very least have an exclusive license so that you can't take that um, IP and and you know license it to other companies. So in that way, they want to know that they've got control of the IP and that their money is going into into a, a secure investment. Um, so uh, we've 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 had to flip up the company. Um, but what we've done is rather than transfer our IP into the um, US corporation, we've tried to keep it here in Australia. But we're doing an exclusive license uh, from the US corporation. From the Australian corporation, subsidiary, yeah.
1: yeah. that That's, I mean, that's great. I mean, the fact that you're able to keep the IP here, does that mean that a lot of your R&D and development will be continued to be done
0: yeah, in Australia? Yeah, and I think that's, that's, that's the thing for us, and the advantage of the exclusive licence and that sort of arrangement is that, we can, like, I, I love Australia. Happen to happen to love the country, you know what I mean? Saved my life, great place to live, the rest of it. So we, we want to definitely keep jobs here as much as we can as well. Like, you know, we're obviously going to have a lot of jobs in the US, but we want to have some back here as well. And we think R&D is the right place to do it, not least of which is because the government, um, and for any entrepreneurs listening out here, listen hard to this one, um, there's an R&D tax incentive that gives you a 43.5% tax credit um, on any R&D expenses, which includes wages, for eligible R and D activities. Get an accountant to help you with this, but that for us is is gonna is gonna be pivotal because it means that we can employ more Australians. And the thing is, Australian like, Silicon Valley is absurd. Like the prices you pay to get a good developer, to get a good researcher, to get something over it is just ridiculous. Yeah,
1: I don't think many
0: Australians actually realize how expensive Silicon Valley is. Uh, I mean, even just our rent is like four and a half grand a month, right? Like it's like US that is. For that's, a room. Well, yeah, 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 exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's for a three-bed bedroom house, but I mean like the, the salaries of people over there are monumental. So if we like by having R&D done back in Australia, we can give jobs to Australians that are actually interesting. Uh, And do it at a cost that's a a much more cost effective way. I think, yeah.
1: That's terrific insights, guys. And and look, I do hope that, you know, any, that there is someone out there from the government or or who is an influencer who has connections into the government who are hearing what you're saying because Mm -hmm. I, I think it's reflective of the challenges that you know, entrepreneurs face across the board here in Australia. But, you know, you've highlighted particularly some additional challenges that, uh, you know, entrepreneurs who are looking at getting into the med tech space and i do believe that med tech is one area where australia can really excel on a global
0: stage Mm. um if if we can overcome those challenges yeah we have some of the best like it's well known that some of the best medical research in the world is done here i mean you you just look at liver transplants in brisbane like i just look at the history we have so many firsts here in australia like, imagine that we could commercialize that, right? Like, there's so many people I know, so many brilliant engineers, and, like, this isn't to bag on management consulting, I think it's great, or, like, you know, working in share trading or whatever it is, but, like, these brilliant engineers who have, like, me, like this gigantic medical knowledge and, and ability sort of end up in, in like, you know, working for the, the companies that, like, they're good at, but they could really, like, make a huge difference elsewhere.
2: Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I'm pretty excited. I think... I think what what we've seen recently and what we've benefited from recently is a is a push for innovation in Australia mm. um and people people who have started companies who have been in the industry um you know come back to Australia and really trying to push um you know push push that mindset push mm. that um I guess e- ecosystem and culture and Brad you're 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 one yeah, of those one people of those, yeah. um who's who's really spreading that message and 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 that for us like we're excited about that Um, because there's, there's just, there's a lot of potential here, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's coming. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we need to get overseas right now to make things happen, but like, we want, we want to, we want to. We want the next generation. These, yeah,
1: yeah. 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 Honor, honor, honor your roots, but, uh, do what you have to do well, to be successful, right? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. But like Australia, keep up the momentum. If you're out there, like if you're listening to this and you happen to be anywhere that is able to influence the Australian ecosystem to grow, develop, get quicker, get better, be more competitive with the US, go and do it. I mean, whereas a country, we're running out of stuff to dig out of the ground. People don't care as much anymore. You know, like yeah. entrepreneurship's the way forward, guys. Keep the momentum up. It's, yeah. it's exciting.
1: So, guys, what's next for you? You've got Y Combinator coming up early next year. I I believe you're also close to kicking off a pilot program here in Australia. I mean, can you tell us about those things and and what your aspirations are for 2018?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you're right. We're we're, we're jetting off to the U.S. uh, fairly soon to kick off with Y Combinator. Um, We are in the the midst of arranging a three-stage pilot with – you know, a fairly large health network here, here in Australia, um, which is going to be fantastic for us because they're going to help us commercialize the device. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess, I guess next steps for us is, is going to be all is, you know, maintaining the sort of the technology development that we, we've had going and some of the product development, um, mm. handling, handling a lot of these logistical issues that we're going to have being in, in different countries. um, I, I think, I think that's sort of, sort of the main, the main sort of things.
0: I think, yeah, I think next steps for us as a company. Look, we've got to nail this pilot and like, to, like, and by the time this goes to air, um, like this pilot will be well and truly underway, but nailing that pilot, getting something set up in the US, you know, raising, raising off the back of that for demo day. I mean, like that sort of, that sort of stuff is where we see ourselves next. We've got to turn this now. We know we've got something. We know we're onto something. We know that people love it and people are excited. We've just got to turn it now into a massive business. That saves millions of lives. Well, guys, I
1: wish you well. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I know you've got huge aspirations. I I think you know, I see many, many startups through my journeys and, and this is one of the most exciting young startups I've seen in a long, long time thanks, um, here in Australia. Um, thanks for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure talking with both of you and, and I could talk with you for hours and <laughs> and, and not get bored. But, um, you know, I'd really love to have you guys back in towards the end of next year and see how far you've come in 2018. I, I think it would be great for our listeners to sort of have you back and, yeah. and sort of see how far you've progressed.
2: Absolutely. We'd love Absolutely. to come back.
0: Pleasure,
2: yeah. yeah, exactly. Give us a reason to come back. To- <laughs> <laughs> it's always great chatting, with you, Barrett. Yeah, I think enjoy we uh, we we get out a lot of it from uh, the the mental discussions we've had with you. But um, yeah, great. So-
1: well, well, Rob, way, thanks very much, and and wish you all the best for twenty eighteen. Thanks, Brad. Really appreciate it. <laughs>